You're listening to the Print Life Podcast. I'm Leslie Kinahan, owner and creative director at White Buffalo Studio and founder of the Print Life community. This podcast was created to offer insight into the hidden world of print design. If you're a surface pattern or print designer who wants to attract dream clients, increase sales, and build a sustainable business that you love, you're in the right place. With over a decade of experience, I'll be covering all things surface pattern and print design, sales, marketing, and mindset to support designers in growing a creative business. Whether you're freelance, in-house, or just getting started, I've got you covered. Welcome to The Print Life. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Print Life Podcast. Today, I want to chat a little bit about these two different ways that we design and how I think dependent upon how we use them in our creative business can either support or hinder us in really designing from a place of authenticity and creating work that lights us up. I want to chat about reactive and proactive designing. So reactive designing is when we're on Instagram or we're looking at the runway or we're out shopping the stores or maybe even out on a hike and you have this immediate download of an idea or you see somebody doing something or you see something you keep seeing again and again and again, right? Like the color blue or a certain type of print style or a certain type of floral or a certain technique that that somebody's trying out. And often, if we see these things enough, we have this reactive instinct to jump in the design room or sit down at the, at your desk or sit down at your tablet and start creating something that is in line to what we're seeing, to what we're being sort of inspired by around us, right? What's happening around us. And this can be good and bad. So I'm going to start with reactive design and we'll talk about the pros and cons. So reactive designing, if it's coming from a place within, if it's coming from a place that brings you joy, that like lights you up a bit, I feel that it can be really productive because we're inspired to do work right there in that moment that we feel might be a good fit for our particular client base, right? And oftentimes, especially in fashion print design, reacting to a trend quickly enough, if it's the right trend, the right market, and the right client, can be really beneficial for you. Because oftentimes in fashion, as we know, certain clients are also looking around on Instagram, on the runway, out in the stores, and they may have seen something at the same moments you're seeing it, because that's how it works, right? We start seeing something and then other people see it and then all of a sudden we see it everywhere. And that's just how our brain works, right? And if your client sees it, and let's say this trend is a specific color or a specific print category, they may be looking for it in that moment. And if you have something to offer them over the next few weeks that falls in line to that particular trend you're reacting to, that could land you with a print sale, right? So now let's talk about how working in this way can hinder us. 
So even in fashion, while we're trying to fill the needs of our client base, we're trying to be aware of what's happening in the marketplace, what's happening on the runway, and what our clients may need, we can't react to everything. We can't chase every trend we see, and we certainly shouldn't be reacting to trends that don't feel in line with the work that we love to do, with the work that brings us joy and the work that we feel is in alignment to our brand or to the type of prints that we produce for our client base, right? Sometimes we see a trend happening in a completely different market and that may spark us to want to offer it to our clients when maybe it's not exactly the right fit for our clients. That's when it can really hinder us, it can slow us down because we start feeling like we need to or we should be doing all of these things, right? We start chasing, we start reacting and we get lost in it. And when we're lost in designing what we think we need to design for our audience or whoever we're designing for, We get further and further away from the possibility of landing on a new idea or discovering a new direction to take, as well as getting further away from what our clients might be after. Because not always, again, are we chasing things in terms of thinking about what our clients may need or may be looking for, which is a majority of what's going to bring us business. So this idea of reactive design, depending on what space of the market you're in, if we can find balance there of what we chase and what we don't, what we let in and what we ignore, what we allow to inspire and what we tune out, right? That can can support us if it's handled in the right way and can lead to more sales if we know what to look for. Being somebody who started out in sleepwear, I was often looking to trends that were happening in music, TV, in the art world, because those are easy to translate into really fun, nostalgic, kitschy sleepwear prints, right? And that was always something I really enjoyed doing. Like, oh, for example, if pineapples or lemons or oranges or something very tropically and fruity is happening, in swimwear or in home furnishings, how can we take that, adapt it for our particular audience and make sure we're speaking to that trend, but from our own unique place? That's how it can benefit you. That's how it can work in alignment to what you're pitching to your audience that works for them, their clients, and the work that you enjoy doing. But if you see, oh, leopards, cheetahs, lynxes, You know, animal skins are huge right now, but I don't really like doing those. And I don't really have a lot of those in my library. It's not really something that I think is important for my particular studio or my client base. But should I, should I do that? Because I keep seeing it. That's where we can get stuck, right? We shouldn't do something simply because we think we need to, or it's filling a hole where we think we need to chase something that other people around us are doing. Because the truth of the matter is, especially if you're just going to do it to do it and not for your, your own unique client base or in your own handwriting or with your own perspective, then that trend is already going to be met by so many other designers that if we just speak to it as is, it's going to get lost in the mix. But if you find a way to do it 
unique to you, unique unique to your own style, and for your audience, that's when it can really um, it can make a difference for you. So it's a, a matter of determining whether or not something is of value to your audience before we react to it. Now let's talk about proactive design. Proactive designing, I feel, is something many boutique studios and freelancers have to do on the regular. And if you're not doing it, you really need to be. So what is proactive design? This is when we're we're approaching our design process from the place of being a leader in our space, from the place of being a specialist. You are trying to set a trend rather than following a trend. You are digging into the trends that you're seeing and trying to figure out where we could possibly go from here. This is speaking to future trends. And I by no means am I saying what is what are all the other big trend companies doing and how can we also do something similar but a little bit different? I mean really digging in and doing something completely different. And This isn't something that I do all the time, but I definitely recommend doing it at least once per quarter if you have the time, if you have the capacity for it in your business. And why do I think this is important? Being able to be proactive and really put yourself in the role of being a specialist in your space allows you to offer your clients something different. It allows you to offer your client base something that only you can offer them. Because what you're doing is you are in one sense of your business, maybe you're interpreting trends because we do, again, need to also be reactive to what's happening in the market, what's happening on the runway, what's happening in the trends, the print trends and color trends that we see. We should be responsive to that to a degree as it works for our client base. And then we should also be kind of interpreting trends not necessarily reacting, but more interpreting them for our particular market. Let's say a trend is working and ready to wear and you're in swimwear. How do you adapt that? Is it with a color change? Is it with a scale change? You know, we figure out ways to make certain things work for our market. But with proactive design, we're talking about sitting down and playing and exploring and flipping through magazines and flipping through books and going to a museum and going to a concert and going and seeing your favorite movie on a Friday night with a loved one and enjoying your weekend and gathering data through your own experiences and then pulling it all together and trying to find something in there that is not only uniquely you from your own unique perspective, but something that would inspire your market as well that works for your market. I love doing this. And I also think what is important about proactive design is getting yourself in the habit of making mood boards. You're not gonna love all of them. You may not even love half of them, but getting in the habit of creating your own directives, your own boards, your own guidance, your own development for your print collections is a really good practice to have because I think sometimes as designers, we put ourselves in this position of we need to look to others to know what to do. And sometimes even as freelancers, it's hard to make that transition from being told what to do to then telling your clients what you think they need, right? That's a really hard jump. And going from in-house designer to freelancer 
to boutique studio owner, that was a really hard transition for me to really trust my own intuition and to trust my own design process and to put creative directives out there for people to see that came out of my own head and wonder what people are going to think about them, to have ideas and concepts that are my own and to to allow a team of 15 designers to design into it and then spend thousands of dollars to print it to fabric and in the hopes that somebody's going to buy one. That is a lot of pressure, right? It's this jump from feeling like you need to be guided along your process or told what to do or prompted. You need the art prompt in order to create to learning how to self-guide. And being able to self-guide your own creative process is a really amazing strength to have in your toolkit because you don't always have to use it, but clients, designers, studios, we love to see that process. How did you get from here to there, right? And sometimes just playing in that space of being proactive and looking at the trends and wondering what's coming next and digging into your own experiences and things you love and what lights you up and what's your favorite song and how does it make you feel and taking all of this beautiful things about the world that you love and these beautiful things that make you you and then finding ways to interpret it into print trends, into color palettes into mood or story direction can be kind of empowering and put you in a position where you're then coming up with prints that are really unique to you and unique to your studio, unique to your business. And then when you pitch your clients, not only are you speaking to relevant trends that are out there in your interpretation of what what you're seeing out there, but you're also offering this other section of work that is so uniquely you that that will find your dream clients, like the clients that are right for you, it'll find them and bring them to you as well. And it can feel kind of scary to put mood boards out there that are different than what you're already seeing. It can be scary to put prints out there that aren't exactly what you're seeing right now. What we often see happening on social is somebody posts a certain type of print story and then everybody starts posting that print story and then either A, We all do it and then we're kind of leading the way for whatever this trend is and then the buyers are seeing it and then they want it because they think it's trending or we end up being lost in a sea of the sameness and if we were to do something different, wouldn't that stand out so much more? Because as the print designers out there, you as a print designer, as a freelancer, as somebody who does commissioned work, as somebody who licenses your work, as somebody who has a boutique studio or works with a studio on consignment, your perspective is important. You having your own take on something is important. We're not just here to replicate. We're not just here to mimic and mirror what we see out there. We're here to share our point of view. We're here to share a piece of us with the world. And the only way that we can do that is by going inward and really truly connecting to what it is we love about what we do. How can we put it out on paper? How can we take the the prints and the designs and the color that we already love to use and let that lead the way rather than just reacting to what we're seeing out there? And while I love both of these methods, and I think they are 
both important. It's in the balance of using both of them that's really going to kind of kick your creative business up a notch. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to put something wacky out there. Don't be afraid to try something that feels completely different. Don't be, don't feel like you are not enough to put together a trend brief or a mood board or a creative brief for a team. And sometimes before I had my studio, I loved putting mood boards together for practice as if I was giving them to a team. And what would I want back from this? What would that collection look like? And sometimes that can help you with more ideas. And sometimes the more mood boards you put together, the more mood boards come out of it, the more ideas come out of it. And I highly recommend too, that when you do mood boards, storytelling, creative briefs, whatever you want to call them, that you don't just do them digitally, but play by hand as well. Because sometimes going through old books and old magazines and old photos, old albums, old things of yours, maybe even flipping through some journal you found from high school or you know, old photos of you with your friends and sparking a memory of a trip or an experience that you had. It can be these little trips down memory lane that can jog your memory and pull forward so much beautiful inspiration. We don't have to only look to the trend leaders for ideas and we don't only have to look to these specific places we look for ideas. It really is about learning how to trust yourself because you have something inside of you to put into your work that will make your work unique. It'll make it stand out and it'll allow it to connect with the right audience. We just have to learn to nurture that, to build that confidence, to trust ourselves, to listen to our intuition and to infuse that into the work we're doing. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Print Life Podcast. If you're a surface pattern designer who's interested in learning how to design, market, and sell your prints in the fashion industry, I'd love to work with you. Head over to lesliecanahan.com to learn more about how you can get started today. See you next time.